just been so strong in my spirit that the victory that we need is available to us if we will just continue on a path that we are already on. But we just need to keep walking. We just need to take it to a new level. And I believe that that message is going to become clear to us today. Matthew chapter 5, and I want to read to you beginning at verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 38. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you or compels you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you." And Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I pray that you would help me to be able to explain this in such a way that it will land in the spirit of someone who needs to move to a new level in their life. Father, our hope cannot be found in this world. Our hope cannot be found in the principles of this world. If we're going to overcome, and we will, We're going to find our victory in the principles of the Word of God. It will rarely make sense to us, Father. We understand that. But we do not live according to what makes sense to us. We live by faith in the Word of God as you have provided it for us. So I pray today that you'll open our hearts and you'll open our minds And that you will help us to see today that our victory can be found on the extra mile. Let me speak with anointing today in this congregation. May they hear equally anointed. Lord, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. I want you to join me right now and lift your hands and say, Thank you, Lord, for the new level of living that you are providing for me. Father, I thank you that you're calling me up higher. That this year is the year of growth and maturity unlike anything that I have ever experienced before. I thank you, Lord, that you are promoting me from being a private in your army to a general. That you are giving me an anointing that will allow me to live unlike at any other time in my life. I'm excited about it and I am ready for service. If you'll tell me what you need, Lord, I am ready to do it in your name. My life will never be the same because of your word that is taking root in my heart. I thank you in advance now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you know that we are in this world, but we are not of this world? I do not live according to worldly principles. I don't live according to what my flesh tells me is right and wrong. If I do that, we're all in a world of trouble. But God did not call me to live according to my flesh. 
He called me to walk in and live by the faith that I have in him and in his word. And I'm telling you, for many of you this year, this is going to be the best year that you've ever had. Not because you're doing something new or even that God is doing a new thing in you, but because you are going to continue down the path that God has already started you on and you're going to be faithful in such a way that it begins to take hold of you and you're going to discover daily that you're not living like you used to live. You're not speaking like you used to speak. You're not feeling like you used to feel. You're not doing what you used to do. You're not going where you used to go, but your life uh, is, is, is operating and, and, you, and your, your, your whole atmosphere is on a new level and a new atmosphere because of what Christ is doing in you. Amen. So chapter 5 in the book of uh, Matthew is what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has everyone called together and he begins speaking to them. And primarily what he is saying in this chapter here is that he is refuting the principles of the word of God. He begins in chapter 5 verse 2 and he talks about something that we call the Beatitudes. In other words, it's an attitude that, that should, uh, should uh, confirm who we are in Christ. And then he moves from there and several times in scripture, he says, the world says this, but I say this. The world says that, but I say this. And several times down through there, you will say, you will hear him say something like this. You have heard it said, but I say unto you this. So if we don't get anything else out of the message today, you need to get that. It doesn't matter what the world says to you. It doesn't matter what the devil says to you. It doesn't matter what the enemy says to you. Because you may have heard that it said like this, but what is important is what does the Lord say about this? That's what's important. So last week I began to talk and I shared a little short devotional with those who were able to come to our holiday celebration about this extra mile. And we talked about how that, that, that the mandated mile is motivated by law, but the miracle mile is motivated by love. Let me say that again. The mandated mile is motivated by law, but the miracle mile is motivated by love. In other words, there is a way for you to live that is bound to law. It is bound to obligation. It is bound to what you think you must do. But if you really want to move up higher and walk in the Spirit of God, you've got to get past the mandated mile and start walking in the miracle mile that is motivated by love for the Word of God and the Spirit of God that is in us. 
you know, we can get real comfortable with this mandated law. You know, a lot of people, they'll just say, if you'll just tell me what I need to do, pastor, if you'll, if you'll tell me what the word says I need to do, but it's not that easy because every circumstance may bring about a, a needed response from you that cannot be found in a set of rules. That's the reason it's so important for us to learn how to walk in the Spirit of God. Amen. Because when we're walking in the Spirit, things can change rapidly, but so will our response. And our response will be not not mandated by law, but mandated and motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want us to talk about this just a little bit today. There are three observations I want to make quickly. And the first is this. The extra mile involves character. Now let me ask you this morning, who are you when no one else is looking? You know, that's really kind of the definition of character. It's kind of the definition of integrity. How many of you know that all of us are good fakers? Say amen. amen. We, we know how to fake religion, don't we? We know how to come to church. We know how to go through the motions. We know how to put our tithe and our offering in. And we think, okay, I got it all bought this week because I did what I, religion tells me to do. But sometimes we just fake our way through life. God's not interested in having fake walkers. He's interested in having faith walkers who will do what he tells them to do at a time when it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So let me ask you this question today. How will you respond under pressure? When life starts squeezing you, what's going to come out of you? I heard one preacher say one time, he said, he said if, if, if you're an orange and you get squeezed, then orange juice is what comes out of you. Because it is, it, it is the nature of the orange to produce orange juice. But what comes out of a Christian when a Christian is pressed? Well, it ought to be Christian juice, amen? When you get squeezed by life, Christian juice ought to start coming out of you because it is the character and the nature of God that has taken a hold of you since you got saved. Listen, you need to stop living in the past. When you got saved, all that past went away. Jesus took a great big spiritual eraser and he erased it. And the Bible says that he doesn't even remember it or hold it to your account anymore. He removes it as far as the east from, is from the west. And he doesn't remember it against you anymore. If you're saved and you've come into, if you've come into Christ and you are walking with him, stop worrying about what happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago. You are saved. You are cleansed. You are set aside for the purposes of God. I'm glad to be saved today. Amen. I'm glad to be delivered today. I'm glad that Jesus has made me clean. So now when I have pressure come into my life, it falls my responsibility then to, to uh, respond the way that a Christian would respond. One preacher said that there are three levels that we can live on. I like this. He said, first of all, there is the hellish level. And that is the level that returns evil for good. 
In other words, in other words, someone has blessed you. They've paid you a compliment. They've done something good for you. But you can't find it to repay them with anything but something evil. Let me give you a common everyday occurrence kind of thing. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, I do that all the time, Pastor. Are you telling me I'm evil? No, I'm just telling you, you need to get out of that and walk in the Spirit. But you ever have anybody come up to you and say, I'm telling you what, you really look good today. You really look sharp today. And you say, I don't either. You must be blind. I'm as ugly as I've ever been. I put on five pounds over Christmas. How in the world could you think I'm... Why can't you just accept the compliment? Why can't you just say that in this individual's opinion, I'm looking good today? Did, did anybody ever come up to you and say, you know, you have such a good attitude, and you say, yeah, if you really know who I am, you wouldn't think that. So. You wouldn't think that. Because you just can't bring yourself to accept the good that somebody is trying to bless you with. Let me encourage you to get out of that hellish reign realm and just start saying, well, thank you very much. I mean, at first, you might not be able to say, well, thank you, I agree. You're right, 100%. I'm looking fly today. I'm looking good, let me tell you. I'm smelling good. I taste good. My hair looks good. I'm good. You may not be able to do that the first time, but at least be able to say thank you very much. Maybe next week you can take it to another level. You see, there are people that they don't know how to return good for good, so they step back into that worldly thinking and they return evil for good. And then the second level is the human level, which returns good for good and evil for evil. Now, even without being saved, I can return good for good and evil for evil. Using that same example, someone comes up and says, you know, pastor, you look good today. Then my human response could be something like this. Well, thank you. You're right. I do look good today. But you know, now that you mention it, you look pretty fine yourself. By the way, I ain't going to say that to any women. Not, 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 not in these days in which we live. Man, man, you look good today. You look good. Well, thank you. You look good too. Man, you, you seem happy today. Well, thank you. You know, you seem happy today too. You know, you look like you're blessed. Well, thank you. I am blessed, but you look like you're blessed too. All we're doing is just shoveling compliments back and forth to each other. It's a human level, and all of us are capable of that, but there's a higher level. There's a spiritual level. It's called the heavenly level, and it's one that returns good for evil. When someone is out to get you, that heavenly level allows you to say, well, you know, I know that you don't like me very much and I know that you're not out to bless me, but that's okay. I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm not going to talk bad about you. You know, did you ever have somebody come up and say, did you hear that so-and-so did such-and-such -such last week? Did you hear? Did you hear that something? Did you hear that? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? You see, those who live on the heavenly level said, no, I don't hear because my ears are not attuned to gossip. 
And therefore, since I don't hear gossip, I don't know anything that you're talking about because I keep myself from those kinds of things. Let me tell you something. When gossipers show up and they want to start telling you about this one and that one and that one, if you will not receive the gossip, it won't be long before they'll stop gossiping to you. Somebody say amen. You want to get, get rid of some gossipers in your life? Stop listening to them. They'll find somebody else to go talk to. But I determined I'm not going to live on the hellish level where I'm returning evil for good. And I'm not even going to live on the human level where I'm returning good for good and evil for evil. I'm going to let God bring me up a little bit higher and be the person of character and integrity that he's called me to be. And I'm going to return good for those who would do evil to me. The extra mile involves character. Secondly... The extra mile involves commitment. Let me ask you some, something this morning. How many of you have been serving the Lord for 20 years or more? Can I see your hands? How about 25 years? 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65. 125. <laughs> Been serving the Lord, the Lord a long time. Would you not agree with me that it takes commitment to follow the Lord? You cannot walk the kind of walk that I'm talking about today accidentally. You, you have to do it with purpose. You have to do it on purpose. You must be committed to this way of life. If you're not committed the first time that temptation comes and the first time trial comes, you're not going to be able to stand in the heat of the battle. But if you'll square your shoulders and stand tall and stand firm, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You can stand firm in the things of God. Amen. Do you ever take a stand for God? And then some other Christian, they, 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 they give you a hard time over it. Well, I can't believe you'd do something like that. I can't believe you'd try to correct me. Who you think you are? I can't believe that you'd act like that. And then we start feeling bad. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have whatever. I, maybe I shouldn't have. And then we start analyzing our actions. And did I do wrong? And, and did I misspeak? And did I, did I misrepresent? And how did I? And, what, and, and we start backing away from what we know is right. And so we back up. Listen, if you're right and if you're in accordance with the word of God and if you've given it in love and you've walked in love and you've walked in concern for the other person, don't you let them back you down and make you feel like that you're somebody who is less than what you need to be. You stand and walk in the presence of the Lord and in the power of his word. I make people mad at me all the time. I just recently made someone mad at me because they wanted me to marry them sometime down the year. Uh, next year, will you marry me? I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. Are you saved? Well, I'm saved. Are you saved? I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Strike one. Said, are you living together? 
You said, Pastor, did you ask them that? I said, yeah. Are you living together outside of the bond of marriage? Well, yeah, strike two. Now that you're living together, are you having sex? Now, I know some of you now are saying, I know you didn't say that. Oh, yeah, I did. Are you having sex? The guy said, well, not as much as I'd like to. (laughs) Yeah, we're having sex. Strike three. I said, no. I said, number one, it's hypocritical what you're asking me to do. You know what the Word of God says about matrimony, about marriage, about, about premarital sex, about, about all those kinds of things. You're not ignorant to those things. You know, and you're asking me to do something that you know good and well I'm not going to do. Because it puts me in conflict with the Word of God. And they looked at me like, well, look at you, Mr. Perfect. Now, I'm not perfect. But let me tell you something, the Word of God is perfect. And I'm going to stand upon the Word of God, whether it makes you happy or not. Because this is the only chance that we have for success. Oh, they got mad at me, but you know, my mom used to say, you can just get glad the same way you got mad. We've got to stand upon the principles of God's Word. And when people come against us, we've got to be willing to take it like men and women of the Spirit. Jesus talks about getting slapped in the face in verses 38 and 39. I need some help. Who wants to slap me? Anybody want to slap me? Say, Danny, come up here and help me if you will. Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on your right cheek to turn your cheek the other direction and let them slap you over there. Now, I want to explain this. I promise I won't hit you, okay? Well, I'm not, I promise you're not going to hit me either. <laughs> if Danny and I got into an altercation and I wanted to smack him, it would be, it would be common for me Being right-handed, how many of you, the majority of people in the world are right-handed? There are a few lucky people that are left-handed. Most are right-handed. If I decided that I wanted to slap him, I would use my right hand and I would slap him right here. Right? Which cheek is this? It's his left cheek. Jesus said if someone strikes you on the right cheek to turn your face and let them hit you on the other side. This is a reactionary slap. This is a purposeful slap where I turn the back of my hand to him and come across and slap him on purpose and I am able to do more damage to him with the back of my hand than I am with the front of my hand. And so what Jesus is saying is that when somebody approaches you and their motive is to hurt you in a bad way and will strike you on your right cheek, what does he say do? God, come on right now. We're going after (laughs) Is that what Jesus said do? No. What he said was, 
I hope you feel better now. Hit me on this side too. Go ahead. Don't do it though. I won't hit you either, all right? Thank you for your help. Now, I know some of you are thinking that is absolutely absurd. Most of what Jesus teaches is absurd. Most of what scripture tells us to do makes absolutely no common sense whatsoever. But let me remind you, he did not ask you to live according to common sense, but he asked you to live according to holy sense that is found in the word of God. He says, therefore, if someone strikes you with their hand on the right cheek, then you are to turn. Then he goes on and he says in verse 40, notice what he said. He says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let, ha- let him have your cloak as well. Now, the, the, the first instance is when somebody comes and wants to do personal Damage to you. It's personal degradation. I don't like this person. I'm going to do everything I can to hurt this person. No matter what damage it, 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 that, it, that comes against them, I'm going to hurt this individual. But in this instance, it's something different. It's personal defeat. It's because I've been caught doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. The scripture says, if somebody takes you to court and sues you, And there they win a judgment against you. And the judge says that you have to make this right by giving them your shirt. Because remember, in Jewish law, if you stole my shirt, you have a right to my shirt. If you stole my Gucci bag, you have a right to to my Gucci bag. You You know, it's the way that it is. The legal settlement would have been done at the exchange of the shirt because he was found guilty of taking the shirt of the other individual. He was found guilty, and so the judgment was, you've got to give your shirt to replace the shirt that you stole. But then he goes on, and he said, also, just go ahead and take your coat off and give them your coat, too. But the judgment didn't require the coat. The judge didn't require me to give the coat. The judgment only required me to give the shirt. But Jesus said, oh, you heard it said that the world would say this, but I say, take your coat off and give it to the individual. Now, let me tell you, I'm talking about stuff today that some of you have never done in your life. I'm talking about some things that I've never done in my life. But I asked you before, how many of you want to go up higher? How many of you want to walk higher in the spirit than you ever have before? You can't do it according to the principles of the world. You've got to do it according to the principles of God's word. Amen. Amen. And then there was another thing he said in verse 42. He said, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So you want what I've got. He said, if somebody begs, it doesn't mean if someone asks, it means if they beg. What does it mean to beg? Please. Please. Please make me 
a cheesecake this week. Please make me some beans and cornbread. Please. I'm begging. I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging. Jesus says she's got to do it. I'm begging, right? And the Bible says she got to do it to live up higher. Praise the Lord. This could work out good for me. So what Jesus is saying is that if someone comes and begs and asks of us that we are to supply their need. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You know, does that mean that everybody comes and asks me that I got to do whatever it is they ask? No. You see, it would be contrary to Scripture if we were required by the Word to give everything to anybody who asks for it. Down, down on Outer Loop in front of Kroger's, there's a guy that begs that parking lot every day. I mean, every day that I'm down there, he's begging. And I'm thinking in my mind, if you go to work and work as many hours as you spend in this parking lot begging... You can make enough money to feed yourself. Now, I'm not, I'm not being mean, but the scripture says that if a man will not work, he is not to eat. Now, let me tell you something. We're a bunch of enablers because we feel guilty. I felt guilty. You know, it's cold. If they got 14 layers of long johns on, they're going to be all right. But I feel guilty. I feel like I should do it. I feel like I want to do it. You don't operate by guilt. You operate by the word of God. It doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to go like this when you drive by. It doesn't mean that. It just meant it simply means that the word of God declares that if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. And if I feed him, he's never going to eat. Because he knows that others will feed him even though he is not working. So as a child of God, it's my responsibility to not feed him, to pray for him. God, give him a job. Give him a place where he can work. Give him some gainful employment. Give him the opportunity to fulfill the word of God in their life so that they can work for the food that they need to eat. And then if somebody really is in need, Jesus said, take care of their need. If somebody's working and they can't make it, if somebody's doing the best that they can and they can't pay their bills, if somebody's doing the absolute best, they're working one job, they're working two jobs, they're doing everything they can and they still can't make it, then the church is to rise up and do what they can to meet the need of that person that is truly in need. Somebody say amen today. And I'm about to quit. Now you can really say amen. The extra mile finally involves choice. It involves choice. Listen, I, I, I started off by talking about the mandate of the law as opposed to the miracle of love. So if I'm living my life by the law, I'm going to miss making some choices that I need to make in order to live according to the law of love. 
So here, here let's go back to what we talked about last week. And, I, and I'm, I'm closing in. In this, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking about something that they knew about very well. Because in those days, Rome was in control of the Jewish nation. They, they, they were in power. And so they had, they had uh, set up Rome as the capital. And, and historians tell us that, are, that there were thousands, 10,000, maybe as many, 10,000 miles of roadways and infrastructure that had been established that takes us to Rome. Now, it, it's like these aisleways. If I wanted to walk down this way, I could come over here and there would be a stone set up here that said Rome this way. And I could walk to Rome because it would lead me to Rome. But I might be over here on this side and there'd be a marker that would say Rome this way and, and, and one mile and I could see it there and so I could walk and then I might get over here and it's, it's a left to the ter- uh, turn to the left and there's a stone over here that says Rome is over here this way. And so I have to look at it and say, okay, to get to Rome, I have to get over here. So I walk over here because Rome is this way. And so they had all these markers up and there was a marker every mile of the road that said this road leads to Rome. That's where we got the old statement. All roads lead to Rome because they needed to know where Rome was and they needed to know how far a mile was. Because the law required that the Jews, Jews had to carry the bag of a Roman soldier for one mile. That's the reason Jesus said if someone compels you to go a mile with them, you go with them too. So it doesn't matter if you're out hoeing your potatoes or or you're taking your weeds out of your garden. If you're a Jew and a Roman soldier comes by. You have to carry his bag for a mile, whether you want to or not. Tried to find some bags today, and I didn't do a real good job. So a Roman soldier comes by and says, hey, I know that you're digging taters right now, but I need you to carry my bag. So you're required by the law to carry his bag for a mile. You don't have any choice in the matter. If you don't do it, you're going to jail. You got to carry his bag. If you don't do it, you're going to pay the price. You got to carry the bag for a mile because it is mandated by law. And the scripture says that you pick the bag up and you start walking. Now, most Jews hated this so bad that they would immediately get a bad attitude. Now, I know none none of you would ever do that because we're all holy and we got good attitudes and all that. It wasn't uncommon for the Jews to give that Roman soldier a tongue lashing because the law didn't say that they had to be quiet. It just said they had to carry the bag. So the Jews would pick up the bag and they'd look at that Roman soldier and they'd say, you are one sorry son of a gun. I can't wait for the day when somebody defeats the Romans and beats you, I hate your guts. You smell bad. You stink. You look like a pile of vomit. I mean, anything they can think of to tell this Roman while they're mandated to carry the bag, 
they just shoot their mouth off. You ugly, I don't like your haircut. Your eyes are crossed. You got one ear that's uglier than the other one. I don't know who your mama is, but she sure bore the worst kind of a son I've ever seen in my life. This is the dumbest looking bag I've ever seen. Where'd you get this? TJ Maxx? Did you get it at big lots on their final countdown sale of the year? I mean, they'd shoot their mouth off and they'd walk a mile. When they got to the end of the mile, they'd say, there you go, you sorry individual, you. I did what I had to do, but you don't get another thing out of me. If you ever come back around my way, I'm going to throw taters at you. See, when we live by the law, we tend to get a bad attitude about it. Amen? You know, I was just thinking this week, and I'm going to throw this in for free, okay? Hopefully, you've already paid your tithe and offering because some of you may want to go get it back out of that box back there and take it back. Don't know me that it sounds like a lot of our households between a husband and a wife. I'm going to do it because the Bible says that I have to. But I don't want to. Did you ever hear anybody say, Bible says I got to love you, but I don't have to like you. I know some husband and wives that they live like that. They operate like that. You know, I told you a long time ago I liked you and loved you, but I'm, I'm rethinking that commitment to you. I don't love you as much as I thought I did. I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. I went to my wife the other day. One of her things that she does is she does the laundry. I have things that I do too. I, for instance, I cleaned the car out. She said the other day, I, I need uh, to go so-and-so. I need to go to Tennessee. I'd like for you to clean the car out. Yes, ma'am. I'll clean it out. I then t- said to her, I said, I'm down to my last... A pair of DVDs. I need you to do some laundry. <laughs> DVDs, BVDs, excuse me. <laughs> I'm down to my last pair of bridges. If you don't do some laundry, I'm going to be hurting. She did the laundry and I cleaned the car out. Now, you know what we could have done? We could have said, I'm going to clean that car, but I'm going to leave something stinky underneath the driver's seat just because you made me mad this week and she could say I'll clean your underwear for you boy but I ain't going to use no bleach on them (laughs) and you know what that means are there any young people in here any teenagers in here Yeah, I better not. (laughs) But you know what I'm thinking. You know, the Bible says that your body's not your own. And there are times that we treat it like it's our own and nobody else's. And then we get this level of frustration built up in the home and we're kind of going around like... And we're walking the first mile. 
And we're doing what we're required to do. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to go anywhere. But I'm going to make life so miserable for you in this first mile that you're going to wish I was gone. And we live our lives that way. And we live according to the world. And did you know that in the church, the divorce rate for the church is no different than the divorce rate for those who are not in the church. We're exactly the same. It should not be that way. Because the Word of God declares that we can be victorious. He said, you get to the end of the first mile, you just go ahead and go another mile. Two scenarios. The first scenario is the one that I already described for you. All right. I'll go go with you for a mile. Make you so stinking... Sorry that you know me. Hallelujah. Let's go. You ignorant Roman, you. I hate your guts. I don't know why you ever came to America in the first place. I can't wait till they get that border wall fixed up. So we can get people like you out of my hair. If you're going to live here, you ought to at least speak my language. Am I stepping on any toes today? You better curl them toes up now because I'm not done yet. Jesus said... All that does is create a negative situation where you're only doing what's required of you. He said, but here's what I want you to do as my child. When you get to the end of that first mile, I don't want you to put those bags down and stop. But I want you to pick it up and love that individual like they've never been loved before. But listen... There's more to it than that. You better start coming and quit and helping me quit because I got I to gotta quit. I'm feeling my oats today. I'm feeling a little preachy today. I'm sorry. It's been a while. Got to get it out of my system today. See, what we, what we do is we get ourselves all pumped up for that, for that first mile. You're a U of L fan? Bless your heart, I bet you wish you were a Cats fan this year because of you little people there in the gutter. I'm telling you, they need a coach, and they've been this, they've been that, and body, body, blah, blah, blah. And what we should do is I know that we're on the first mile. That's all right. Let me carry your bag for you. I don't have to wait till the second mile. Baby, I appreciate you doing the laundry and getting me some clean underwear to wear. But I love you even if you don't do that. I just want you to know for 39 years, I've loved you and I appreciate you. And I'm going to carry this for you. I'm going to do this for you. Not because maybe this person's been good to me or nice to me, but because I'm a child of God. I have the love of the Lord Jesus Christ living in me. He loved me when I was unlovable. He forgave me when I was unforgivable. Why should I not also 
treat you with the same love with which I have been loved. In fact, the scripture says that if I'm not willing to forgive you, then I can't be forgiven myself. So what he is saying is, is that from the very first mile, pick it up and say, hey, Rocky, the Roman soldier, how you doing today? It's good to meet you. Where do you hail from? Do you have a nice family? I'm so glad that the Lord put you in my path today. I was hoping that Jesus would send a Roman soldier by me today so that I could carry their baggage for them. I just want you to know we appreciate the stability that you've brought to our nation. We thank you that you are uh, loving us with protection and that you're keeping us in your care. I, I just want you to know on this first mile that I appreciate you and I have a great love for you. And I just want you to know that today. What's your wife's name? Oh, that's a pretty name. I like, do you have any pictures of your kids? Yeah. Uh, do you have Facebook? Can we be Facebook friends? Can I, can I tweet you next week and see how you're doing? Because I love you and I'm concerned about you. I want you to experience the same kind of love that I have experienced through Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden that Jew says, oh look, there's the marker. The first mile is finished. My obligation is done. The law said I could stop right here at this marker. But the love that motivates me says let's go a little further. And so as we reach the marker, the Jew looks over to Rocky, the Roman soldier, and says, I would be honored if you would allow me to carry your bag one more mile. Would you just let me go with you a little bit further? Would you just let me bear your burden just a little bit more? And Rocky the Roman soldier says, but what about your potatoes? What about your beans? Don't you need to get back and, and work those and get the weeds out of your beans and, 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 and cultivate your potatoes? And the Jew says, listen, Rocky, I'm glad you brought that up. You see, I don't worry about materialistic blessing because I walk in the favor of God. And when I have the opportunity to weed my beans and cultivate my potatoes, I will do it. But as long as I'm out here doing business for the kingdom of God, my potatoes are blessed and favored by the hand of God. I don't have to worry about whether they're gonna grow or not because God's gonna grow them up. I don't have to worry about my beans because I'm here ministering to you instead of those beans. We sometimes get more concerned about things that are passing away with time when there's somebody right beside us that needs to experience the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Rocky, if you don't care, I'm going to go with you one more mile. And so off they go. 
Rocky, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. You asked me about the hope that is in me. You asked me about why I would be willing to carry your baggage an extra mile when I'm not required by law. You asked me how I can be victorious in the face of such difficulty. You asked me how I cannot be afraid when I'm facing disease. You asked me how that I'm not destroyed when my family is falling apart. You asked me how I can do it. And scripture tells me that I'm always to be ready to give account for the hope that is in me. And in this last mile, the one that I choose to walk with you, the one where I choose to carry your weight, I want to tell you about a man named Jesus who forgave me when I was unforgivable and loved me when I was unlovable and carried my weight when I could not carry it myself. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus. Listen, church, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not my enemy and I'm not yours. And it doesn't matter where you hail from and what nationality you are and what language you speak. You are not my enemy. We are all made in the likeness, not likeness of God. He has given us his spirit. We're in this thing together. So what am I saying to you? I don't know how it is in your life. And it doesn't matter how old you are. There always ought to be a desire in us to live a little higher. To mature a little more. To grow in our faith. Can I tell you that the only way that you're going to be able to do that is when you get done doing what you think is required of you. that you pick up the baggage and the weight and you say, Jesus, wherever you decide to take me, I'm going with you. I do it willingly. I choose to follow you. Will you stand with me this morning?